You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Well, Judy and Becky, I have kind of a burr under my saddle today, and it's about the media. I, I'm just kind of over it right now with the news by innuendo, the news by smear, the news by lies. Is Do we even have news anymore? It just seems like it's all about people's opinion. It's about wanting us, the American people, to think what they want us to think instead of giving us the truth and allowing us to make our own decisions. You know, when my folks watched the news when I was growing up, it was like the Walter Cronkite. It was news. It was somebody on the television presenting the news without their opinion. Do we get news without opinion anymore? What do you think, Becky? Oh, I'm right there with you. When I watch or listen to the news, which honestly, that desire has dwindled so greatly because of exactly what you're saying, I find little to no truth in what I'm hearing or reading. And it's so frustrating because of some of the things that I do know that are true and are not being reported. There's omission, things that are just left out. There was something that I thought was really important just about a week or two ago that happened in Washington, DC. And I searched the web and didn't find it. And it was absolutely because the media had made the decision that wasn't important. And it was huge. There was a gathering of thousands and thousands of people in the DC area. And had it been for any other cause or reason, it would have been all over the news for days. But because the media can pick and choose what they're reporting, they're withholding truth. They're, they're presenting only what they want to present according to their bent, if that makes sense. It's frustrating, especially if you know the truth, but it's not being spoken. Uh, it, it makes me feel like my world is actually getting smaller instead of as big as it truly is. I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm being silenced by the media if I think anything contrary to what they present. And I, I don't like that anymore. I think that's wrong. And you're right about the Walter Cronkite. I think he was the last great news reporter to actually present the facts. And there's really little to defute with facts. It either is black and white or, or it's not black and white with most things. I'll give you a gray with some things sometimes. But we're regarding certain events in history or regarding literally a fact that there is, let's say, a snowstorm at a place that is causing wreaking havoc on a, a state or city. That's a fact. Um, there's not much opinion that can go in there. But today, news just seems to be opinion which Walter would be spinning in his grave. Mm -hmm. that, that was no part of any of his reporting. I agree. Hey, Judy, do you think that the social media, is that news or 
what, they pretend you, like they're not new so that they are not so that they don't fall under the regulations that um that the news outlets are held to they're not held to the same standards uh and yet I, i'm out of my mind to be honest with you because just recently there are stories that have come out in in the news okay that uh, some stations are reporting on, other ones have completely buried. Um, but then you look at social media, Twitter, they'll shut you down completely, lock you out of your account if you if you post something that they don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And recently, they censored uh, conversations about Hunter Biden. Isn't that true? Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so number one, you're not getting all the news, okay? You think you are. You think, okay, I'm not going to go to the television networks. I'm going to go to Twitter. I'm going to find out what's on Twitter, what's on Facebook, um, what's on Instagram. But all of that is being censored and with a great bias. And only because, you know, obviously these people are complaining about it and maybe Fox News might report that they were that their their accounts were shut down, but it's scary. Um, it feels like just propaganda is out there now, and I don't know who to believe. And uh, that's a really for, good point that mm-hmm. that I've heard over and over from people that I meet everywhere mm-hmm. um, is that they nobody knows who to believe anymore. I don't know who to believe anymore, and mm-hmm. when I see. Um, well, I'll give you a great example. My husband wrote a book, The Truth Behind the Black Lives Matter and the War on Police. And it it basically has been taken off of Amazon. I mean, they're censoring whatever they want to censor so that people have no way of getting the real truth or the real facts, but only the facts or the truth that they want you to think and make decisions on in kind of a twisted way is how I see it. It's very Wild West-ish. Vigilante. That's a good way to put it. Very vigilante. Very. I mean, right here, Twitter says Trump campaign violated rules, locks account over tweet referencing Hunter Biden report. Um, And it it has shut down every single person that speaks about it. Even if like if if I placed anything on there, they would lock my account down uh, for for the, the Hunter Biden story. And I am very, very angry about it. I don't really know where to go to listen to the news. I tried, you know, going abroad and seeing like what the BBC has to say, but they're also, they're socialist, right? I listen, so I listen to Fox News. I try to listen to CNN, but then I have to shut it off and NPR because it's laced with all this innuendo, all of this, um, I mean, I, I went into my kitchen and I said, good morning, Alexa, news today. Where does she go immediately to NPR, right? So I mm-hmm. Live, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't give me any choices. She just goes straight to NPR. And um, it was bad. It was right after the first debate, uh, which was crazy. And she gave me NPR and, and here are two reporters from NPR, they're supposed to be sharing the debate from the other night. And they talked about Trump 
in such shaming ways and with this tone in their voice like oh like they were talking about a little boy and isn't, isn't that amazing how reporters can actually speak about the president of the united states now uh, right it's, disrespect um, is is just I, I don't know. I find it horrifying and I find it a terrible example for our children. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's the amount of disrespect with regard to politics, specifically the president, but even in general now regarding the media, I'm seeing some reporters themselves sounding off disrespectfully, which you know, in oh, years ago, they would have been let go in a heartbeat. So just as an example, in the in the most recent election, when Trump won, these reporters who were supposed to be completely unbiased and just give us the facts are crying on television. They are literally crying on their news show because mm-hmm. Hillary didn't win. And they're supposed to be unbiased. How, how could you imagine Walter Cronkite crying on television because JFK didn't win or did win or whatever? I mean, really? Yeah, no, it's, it's so different. It's, there's no comparing because I do feel like all of the protocol is gone Mm-hmm. Because of lack of because of lack of respect. Well, Becky, you you mentioned something that kind of struck a nerve with me on uh, leaving things out of the news. So, mm-hmm. in the in the recent Supreme Court hearings from the Judicial Committee, if you recall, we had with uh, Justice Kavanaugh. I mean, it was all news all the time on all of the liberal stations. So the CNN, the MSNBC. But CNN didn't even bother to play the this for Justice uh, Barrett. They they, they mm. just left it off their network, and I I just that what they're doing is they're deciding what we can see and what we can't see, only if it suits their politics. And I don't think that the news should be political. I think it should be apolitical, just like the Supreme Court should be apolitical, and. We should just get the facts. Just tell me the facts because I'm really smart enough to figure out my own conclusions. I don't need you to make conclusions for me. So it's not just what they do report. It's what they don't report Mm -hmm. also that I think affects Americans a, a great deal. And when you ask about, you know, where do you go to get the news? I don't really know. I do love this station, America Out Loud, I, I think that's a very honest station. But I also really love One America News. And they are really, really moving up in the in the ratings because they tell the news. Now, do they have journal journalistic type people that give their opinions? Yes, but those shows are clearly stated as such. But for the most part, it is news. And that is great. You know what I would really like to see is a journalistic Hippocratic Oath. Well, yeah, one. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> follows it. <laughs> I, and, and, it and, I, and I say that a little tongue in cheek. I'm sure at some point reporters, there, there was, I don't know whether they actually literally held up their hand and said, I take this oath that I will report truthfully and honestly. And I don't know if that actually happened or happens, but if they, if it did, it's gone. 
And it seems to be, here's what really bothers me about that. It seems to be accepted. It's almost as if America really wants that sensationalism in their reporting. And, And I know, unfortunately, I think we as human beings have a rather sick need for sensationalism. Like, it's so bad, I can't, but I can't look away. Right. <laughs> type of thing. It's hideous, um, but I can't look away. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Re- I watched a video of someone being chased by a mountain lion, mm-hmm. and my hands were sweating. I, there was, there's no reason for me to watch that. It was absolutely anxiety-inducing, and yet I watched the whole thing. And I think people really want, they feed off sensationalism. And if the news is going to report something that will bring their numbers up with listeners or readers, mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid it's become just acceptable to either embellish or even sometimes by omitting, they'll make it, they'll actually put themselves out there as, as being newsworthy because they chose to omit and people will talk about it. Mm-hmm. I almost wouldn't even mind if they were kind of even Steven and they talked about everything, but they don't. And, and mm-hmm. the things that they, uh, well, let's just take the situation where we talked about where Twitter had shut people down for the Hunter, Hunter Biden story, which came out of the New York post, which was, you know, which is a, a credible news source. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if all their stories are credible, but why shut that down yet? they, their excuse was for hacking. So they, we don't post things that are taken from hacking. Well, how about you posted all over the place about Trump's taxes, which were hacked, that was okay, but this is not okay. And, and I don't like the selectivity because what they're doing is, is again, it's news by destruction of people, especially our president. It's news by obfuscation. It's news um, that's withheld from us. And it's selective things that are put out. And the thing is, does anybody fact check anything anymore? Because they just broadcast so many lies and they repeat them over and over. And I I just am so frustrated with it. And I know that I'm not the only one. I know that Americans in general are frustrated with it because I hear it all over. And I don't know what the solution is either other than just shutting these stations off and mm-hmm. listening to the ones that, you know, give us more real news. Exactly. I just, our culture is so uh, troubled. Now, when you yeah. look back yeah. at, I, when you look back at, so let's look back at nine 11 and, um, and you compare how that was reported and how, and also mm-hmm. how our nation pulled together both sides and that I don't recall anybody blaming Bush, right, for 9-11, okay? And then mm-hmm. you look at, and that was a disaster. That was, it was a horrible event in America. And you look at the coronavirus, right? And this is, is the pandemic released by China, okay, is an attack on America, and you look at this and what is happening? The people are blaming President Trump for not handling the coronavirus. However, rather than pulling together and supporting their president and supporting 
the CDC and supporting the people who are trying to help us and save us. Instead, they just continuously attack him. And when you look, they're both disasters, but there is such a chasm between how we handled 9-11 as a country and how we are handling the coronavirus. We are divided. And when it, you know, I wonder, this is a disaster, the coronavirus, just as 9-11 was a disaster. I would be curious to know if 9-11 had happened in the time frame of an election, what would have happened? Would it be the same thing? I think, mm-hmm. I think people take the opportunity. I mean, I, I know, politically speaking, people take every opportunity they can mm-hmm. to place blame on people in order to make themselves look better. Right. And every single, going back to the beginning of our nation, every political campaign has done the same thing. When I have read about political campaigns at the beginning of this nation, there were some vicious, vicious political fights that were dirty. I mean, just awful, incredible things that that transpired between people and uh, their very small form of media, which I believe back then was just in the newspaper, a, a the printed word. I think people feed off of placing blame so that their candidate will will look better. And the media loves that. You know, they, 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 they absolutely do love that. And but I want to hear in our next segment from Judy and what she's ticked off about today. And at that time, I'm going to introduce all of our hosts. We'll be right back. Listen to the Ladies of Liberty sound off on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. What if a new treatment backed by 17,000 scientific articles was proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance? What would you pay for even the smallest dose of this treatment? The good news is you don't have to pay anything because these are just some of the benefits of a full night of quality sleep. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Until now, most sleep aids haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM Sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's Healthy, C-E-L-L dot slash sleep. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Welcome back. Hi, I'm Judy Moran, and uh, I'm here with my two great friends, Linda Martinelli and Becky Kominen. Um, Hello. Hello. <laughs> So I'm the director of client relations at the 12 week year. Uh, I'm a fabulous mom and a, um, most of the time. Um, and, <laughs> and I'm uh, the first and the trophy wife for Brian Moran. We've been married for 32 
glorious years. And I still think he's funny and he smells good. So that's good. <laughs> Tell us that's a little close. bit about yourself, Becky. Well, thank you, Judy and Linda. Let's see. The most, Im- the most important thing you should know, I probably can't share. So the, the <laughs> casual thing that you should know is I too am a mom of um, an amazing daughter. We have just one. And my husband, this is probably the coolest thing about me. I am married to a man named Thor, which everybody ap- appreciates and likes. And he does not have a helmet with long blonde braids. No. And he doesn't look like the Thor in the movies, but I love him. And that's what matters. I am a voice talent. So I read scripts and do a lot of e-learning and message on hold for companies all around the world. And I have my phone voice and then I have my me voice which you will be hearing today. Just me. It's me being me. Well, this is Linda Martinelli, and I am also a mom, mom of four grown children. I am also the host with my husband, Dr. Ron Martinelli, a forensic criminologist of Talking While Married on America Out Loud every weekday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So hopefully you can try to listen to us there, take a tune in and, and have some fun with us and have a cup of coffee with us. Judy, what are you what are you mad about today? Oh boy, <laughs> I <laughs> I am I am mad about our healthcare system. I am angry about really about Obamacare, and I'm I'm still trying to understand exactly what happened. To be honest with you, when uh, they passed prior to passing Obamacare which was what thousands and thousands of pages that I remember listening to these senators say, um, well, I didn't read the whole thing because it's so long, but I think it's going to be good. Do you remember that? Do you guys remember? I remember something like that. Pelosi said, you have to pass it and then you can read it. Right. (laughs) You have to pass it and then you can read it. And really as a nation, we had no idea what the repercussions were going to be. It was just all rosy. And my husband and I own our own business. Uh, It's not a big business. You could call us middle class. And we, though, pay for our own benefits, all of our own health benefits we pay for and um, had to set up. And we also pay for all the benefits of our employees. We're a smaller company. We're not huge. We probably have, I think, just a dozen employees. But I remember all of a sudden, my Blue Cross Blue Shield went up from $9.32 a month to $14.65 a month. And it was less coverage. And the same thing happened for all the employees that I paid for. And I, it almost put us out of business, literally. Uh, having, having to, and, and it was less coverage than we had before. It's amazing to me. I don't understand. And no one could answer why that happened. Do you guys have any idea? And that happened all over the place. Well, I definitely do. Uh, I also am an employer and I pay for my employees health insurance. And uh, what happened was their premiums went up sky high. So where they had a deductible before of say $1,500 in the year, 
it went up to 6,000. There's well, no way that they could afford to pay $6,000 before they get any benefits from healthcare. So right. that really did not help them at all. It was just like completely taking healthcare away from them because right. most of those people, unless there's something catastrophic, never would reach $6,000 in a year. So now they're putting all of it, not only are they paying the premium, but they're putting more money out to get any kind of services. And of course, same thing as with you, Judy, mm-hmm. our, you know, the portion that we pay as the company, uh, it just it just went sky high. And it's, I, I mean, it's just much worse healthcare than they've ever had before, much more red tape, and nobody is happy with it. No. And I don't no. know. Yeah, I don't know if it if they if they created it that way, if Congress can, uh, created it that way, so that we would leave our current carriers and then sign on for Obamacare, thinking mm-hmm. that that would be the the route that we would go. I don't know, Becky. I, well, and I'm so many things are running through my head right now <laughs> regarding <laughs> that, that because it's been a difficult topic just actually between my husband and I mm-hmm. over the years we have experienced unemployment mm-hmm. several times and I'm self-employed and have been for 14 years. So we have had periods where we have lived without health insurance mm-hmm. and we have had to use the government for health insurance for our daughter. Um, and there was a period of time where it covered my daughter and myself, but not my husband. And very thankfully we are healthy people mm-hmm. uh, who are not on any medications. And I see the doctor once a year if I get a bad cold. But so, but we're having to pay a lot of money for health insurance. And that has, I mean, you know, having employees, you know how much that is. Mm-hmm. So I, I too don't understand why why the reason for it to jump Linda you said to $6,000 right that's that's a markup of I, ludicrousness I, I there's well, no $6, other thousand dollars for the deductible right right in, in addition to the premium that right. that gets paid so um, I'm sure that a lot of that happened because the insurance companies now have to cover pre-existing conditions, which they didn't have to before. But I also think a lot of this is heading us down the road that the Congress at that time, which was under Obama, wanted to take us, which is really going to be some sort of a single payer system mm-hmm. and you know make us more like Canada or some of the other places, right. which would destroy our healthcare. I have so much to say about that because really, who is going to provide the healthcare? Doctors are not going to want to be doctors anymore. I know so many that have left the system since Obamacare and the other ones that used to be in private practice, they went to groups, big, large groups, because they could no longer survive by themselves and the paperwork that they have to do and the people that they have to pay to do the paperwork. It just became so costly for doctors and our care is so much worse in my opinion. And I just, I long for the good old days when insurance, private insurance paid 80%, we paid 20%. You went direct to your doctor. You had nobody between you and your, your doctor. And that is what I want to see back again. I agree. 
I would too. I don't know that that's ever going to come back. I doubt that. <laughs> no. Well, and interestingly, I, I went to visit another country, a couple other, a few other countries, and a dear, I will call her a sister because I call her a sister, but she's not blood related. She has had lots of health issues and where they live has a socialized form of medicine. And it was interesting to hear because I asked some questions and they, they know America very well, but the way everything was described to me was that because they were or are of a certain financial status, they went to a particular hospital and those that don't have that status go to a different kind of hospital. And the care, it sounded to me, not having physically entered a hospital or, or looked at anybody's insurance records, it sounded to me like the level of care would be noticeably different depending upon your income level, which is a frightening right. thought if, mm -hmm. if that happens here, knowing lots of people that there's no way they can afford health care. I mean, we, we're looking at potentially not being able to afford health care should mm -hmm. things go a, a certain way. Right. And that's, that's very scary. I, I don't know. You would think we should be able to have our voice heard and have it make a change. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's a very scary thought for a lot of people. You know, uh, you bring up a good point there, though, because I was talking to a friend in Italy, and they have a, a socialized med medical system in the way that they're, the money's just taken out of the taxes Mm -hmm. And they can go to the doctor anytime that they want. And they, all of their medical care basically is uh, taken care of. Mm -hmm. They really like it. And so I wonder, you know, how that relates to what they're trying to do here in the United States, because I, I think for us, it would be a disaster. Yet this is all my friends have ever known in Italy. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that it is. And they're good with it. Well, and that's what I experienced too. I have a friend in Sweden and my other, my sister who is in Tasmania. Um, and we went to Australia as well in New Zealand, which they all have that system. And besides the healthcare, their roads are great. <laughs> Everything seems to be great. And I, wow. I carefully, in, I carefully inquired because again, they know our system here and they have all and continue to be very willing to pay the extra in taxes in order to have what they have. Mm -hmm. And again, their, their financial status is really good. So I was unable to speak with people who are of, in a, a lower financial and in, lower income level. However, I did we did drive through some areas that they called lower income and her biological sister lives in a lower income area um, where all the homes are pretty much the same. That lower income area was amazing. All the, the lower income areas that I saw, I did not see poverty. Interesting. I did not. That is interesting. Judy, um, you had an experience too with, with the healthcare system that you were telling me about that you weren't very happy with. I, that they would not give you a mammogram. 
that was years ago when I, I don't think it had any, anything to do with insurance though. Still healthcare. It's still healthcare. Yeah. When I was diagnosed finally with my breast cancer, well, I was 36, but that, that tumor had been in my breast for four years. And I kept going back for my annual exam and asking my doctor at the time, um, if I could have a mammogram and he kept telling me that I was too young and I didn't need one, you know, after the third, you know, time I, and I, and then I, I trusted him. I loved my doctor. He helped me get pregnant. We had trouble getting pregnant, a lot of trouble. And he delivered my little girl. You know, you have this relationship where you trust your doctor and, but there was something inside me that said, I, I need to go get a new doctor, which is one of the hardest things really that I had ever done. And I left there looking at my daughter, my little baby girl thinking, I absolutely have to do this for her. And I went finally, and I got a new doctor and he gave me a mammogram. And uh, by that point I was in big trouble because it had been in my breast for four years it had busted through the capsule. It had spread my surgeon. When I sat there and asked my surgeon, if I was going to be able to raise my daughter, she just sat in her chair and tears rolled down her mm. and she could not answer that for me. And I, I just realized that for me, you know, if I was going to be able to raise my daughter and mess her up the way I wanted to, you know, um, <laughs> in such a good way, right? <laughs> it was going to be way. up to me and my God, it was going to be up to me and my faith and, and God. And I just realized that the doctors were just, they were not the captain of my team. They were just a member on my team and that I was the captain of my team. And I realized that I had to choose to do what they told me to do, but also choose to look for why the cancer started and they were just treating the cancer. They were not treating the reason why my immune system failed. And that's what I really wanted to learn. Um, and I went on this incredible journey through that and we can, we'll talk about all that. So do, do you think that, that it, with healthcare, if we went to a single payer system, a situation like that would be better or worse? Well, I think it would, I think it would be worse when you look at, there's two things going on in my brain, Linda. First, I helped my father who had dementia and Alzheimer's, right. And a heart condition navigate our veterans healthcare. Okay. That's government run healthcare for us here in America. And yes. I can tell you, it was a horrible experience. Mm. I was so frustrated trying to get help for my dad. It was, it was so frustrating and slow. It took forever to get appointments forever. And I, I have friends, um, in Canada, Canada used to be part of my territory, the whole continent. And I had some great friends there and the waiting list for surgeries, um, and for, um, to meet with certain doctors when they, you have to have the referral and they waited for months and how they would come to America. If they had money, if they had enough money, if it really counted, if it was, uh, um, you know, a dire 
circumstances, they would come to America for their surgeries. So what does that tell you? I, you know, that sounds scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is scary. Becky, I heard, and I don't know if you heard or either of you heard that the Obamacare had sort of a clause in it that says that, you know, if somebody is older and they have say cancer or, you know, some, some sort of a serious health issue that they would not treat you the same as if you were younger, that they, you know, they kind of think that it's time, you know, you've had time your life. Move on, right. Yeah. Time, time to put you on that ice float and just send you off. Right. Because that's more expensive, right? Well, no, right. I have not. I, I hadn't heard that. Oh, I, yeah. That, it would be very tragic to think that that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's sort of, it, especially since people are living longer. People right. are living exponentially longer. Right. So True. at what point, again, with that Hippocratic oath, at what point mm-hmm. do, do you say, you know what? I'm looking at your expiration date. Right. And you, and you're close enough now that I think we're just going to let you go. Right. We'll just make you comfortable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're just, we're not going to treat. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to start palliative care now while you're still, (laughs) while you're still of sound mind and somewhat sound body. Mm -hmm. I remember when I realized that it was cancer, I wanted it out right now. You know what I'm saying? It never hurt before, but then all of a sudden it burned, right? Because it just was, you knew it was there and the weight and I, you know, to get your surgery. And if, if I was in another country and they put me on a waiting list for surgery and I had to wait longer than I did here, I don't, I think I would have lost my mind. You know, it would have been awful. Not to mention you could have lost your life. Oh, I would have, I would have for sure. Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty strong and pretty. I know you are. But <laughs> so, any, any you last thoughts from anybody on in our last minute here um, on what we can do about healthcare? How do we make it better? Is is court cases going to be the solution or mm-hmm. new administrations? What do you think? Read the fine print. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. I think there's going to be change. I I believe there is change coming. Mm-hmm. whether whether we want to or not we just have to read everything and be involved yes be the our own advocate of our yeah, our own advocate be the captain of your team i agree we need to be the captain of our team and and take it in our own hands and i also think we need to talk to our congress people and tell them you know get out of my health care right Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back. I have something on my mind that is probably an uncomfortable topic, 
but I'm going to go there because I've been dealing with some issues lately that the rest of the world is also dealing with, particularly here in America, and that is the race issue. I am a white female, and I'm going to share a situation that has troubled me and yet has ignited me even more to expand my horizons, to reach out, to expand my friendships. The fact that I was asked to be on a board to be a moderator for a conversation uh, with several African-Americans and just two white moderators was interesting that I was invited to do that. Long story short, in the end, I opted out because they really didn't need two moderators. They had eight people and they just didn't need it. I had not moderated ever before. Um, so the person, the other moderator had done this several times and was very adept at doing it. So I was able to watch and learn. However, it's been interesting, a little bit of feedback that I got from the person that set this together later had a conversation with me and said, you know, it would be very good if you could, and I am, this is almost a quote, mm -hmm. get some black friends. <laughs> oh my. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to go out and do that now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, as you know, though maybe, she thought you didn't. Well, here's a confession. I don't. Okay. And this is something that I have actually approached this very person about mm -hmm. because I know my world is very small. I work from, uh, to begin with, I grew up in a town that was all white, still is 98% white, mm -hmm. very sheltered. Uh, the, the church that I attend is very forward thinking and and mixed, but there isn't a mix within the, within the actual uh, activities, let's say, or being like, if you attend small groups or something, it's still very, very white, though there are lots of ethnicities in the church. It's still very white when it comes to breaking up into smaller groups. Mm -hmm. And so the leader who is actually black invited me to do this, but then <laughs> when everything was all done, it basically just said, get yourself some black friends and this will expand your horizons and la la la. And I thought I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. Why don't you be my first real true black friend? Right. Oh, that's great. What, el what else could I do? So I'm actually trying to put together and I hate to use the word class, I'll just say a group mm -hmm. that would enlighten each other. I would love to be able mm -hmm. to sit down and have those uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. with my black brothers and sisters and say, look, here's, here's what maybe I'm not getting, mm -hmm. or here's maybe what I'm not understanding, though I'm seeing it, I'm reading it, I'm hearing about it. Mm -hmm. It's not part of my life because number one, I'm white. 
and I'm not thinking twice about driving after dark. I'm not thinking about jogging in particular neighborhoods. I'm not thinking about the prejudices that might be against me mm-hmm. regarding life-threatening situations. Mm-hmm. So how as a, not hate, should I say a middle-aged, <laughs> how a woman my age, white, and works from home, I have no employees. I mean, I, I don't see other human beings during the day unless I make a trip to the grocery store. How do you expand your horizons and how do I become part of the solution to make race relations better? Judy, take it away. Well, I have a question. So this board that you were on, what was its purpose? So that's a good question. The the purpose, very specifically, that initial panel was Mm -hmm. to enlighten a congregation as to how Black people are feeling over incidents Mm -hmm. that have happened in the media. Right. And specifically, eight Black people on the panel um, Mm -hmm. to just share Mm -hmm. their thoughts and feelings because there was a belief that white people don't get it, don't understand it. So, so, okay, so white people don't get it and don't understand it. So they asked you to be on there because you're pretty white. I'm looking at you. You're pretty white. <laughs> yes, <I> okay, <laughs> I'm pretty white too. Yeah. And I can relate to what you're saying. But what's interesting is this person had you, okay, and had the opportunity to um, reach out and build a bridge. And instead he said, go get some black friends. Yeah. Now I so removed. I, my, I know. I, instead I, of taking you under his wing and right, being right, being right, the right. solution himself, or that board being just doing what they said they wanted to do, right? Instead, mm-hmm. they're like, "Go get some black friends and come back and <laughs> right." What, what else do you do? But you chuckle at that because it pretty it is pretty it's funny. Just crazy to me. But yeah. Um, but so in in this vein. I would love to be part of the solution with what's with the race situation. Mm -hmm. I, um, the next generation, uh, I can't even say by default because it hasn't happened over hundreds hundreds of years, but I do believe within the next generation, hopefully even within those that are 20 somethings now, Mm -hmm. 20 to 50 Mm -hmm. will, will make the strong, continuous start Mm -hmm. that has been needed for forever but the issues for race relations right now are so fiery and so um becky yep i did it do you think (laughs) i'm gonna throw a curveball in here totally Mm -hmm. because i have a totally different view on this okay good i i First of all, I would ask you, and I don't even need an answer, but just rhetorically, were you part of the problem? I mean, really, were you part of the problem? So, so you want to be part of the solution, but were you even part of the problem? So is there really a huge race relation issue in our country? Or is this, again, a media uh, and politically motivated uh, false narrative? Because 
we have had improving race relations for all of my life, improving, improving, improving until President Obama became president. Mm -hmm. And he started talking about, if you remember the incident with the police officer and the professor, and he said uh, something about police officers and he said something about white people. And he, you know, he always defended just the black people, whether they were wrong. He said, Trayvon Martin could have been his son. You know, could, if I had a son, he could have looked like Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. Trayvon Martin was a career burglar. He was, he used drugs. He did all kinds of things. This is not the kind of son that president Obama would be wishing for, but yet it's a narrative that has come out. And, and then the other false narratives that continue to follow it, this, this race war, in my opinion, Becky, um, is, is not a true race war in this country. It's a manufactured race war by people that want to take down our system, defund our police, and they're using that as the narrative. Now, are there, are there issues between races at times? Are there racist people? Of course there are. There, there always will be. But when I look at people, and I, as a police officer, I worked in an area that was an all-Black area. I never saw Black and white in those areas. I only saw people, people that had problems or people that were committing crimes or people that were victims, but they were people. They were never black people or Hispanic people or any other race that was there. I only saw people. And I believe in my travels across America as because I have the, the fortune of traveling a lot. I don't see that people dislike one another because of color at least I don't see that with most of the, the white community as yourself, which is why I'm asking, were you part of the problem? Because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give credence to a problem that's not there. And I don't want to not give credence to a problem that is there. But I think that a lot of this is totally manufactured because my guess would be for both you, Judy and you, Becky, um, that when you meet people of color, mm -hmm. you're, you're not treating them differently and you're not uh, mm -hmm. running away from them. I mean, what, what is different? They are people just like all right. three of us are people and no difference in my opinion. Right. Well, well, this ties into something I just recently also heard in the news about reparations. Oh yeah. Regarding. California. Yeah, so that's okay. <laughs> so, and I, I have not listened to full reports or stories but I understand that this has been in the process for a long time. Mm -hmm. Someone has presented it to, I'm not sure how far it's gone up Congress. That's well, probably it's, it's, it's gone everywhere um, in different States mostly, but the governor of California just uh, said that the, he was looking to pay reparations. Yes. And here's, here's my question to both of you. Were you part of the problem? I, I don't know about you, but my relatives that came from, uh, the Netherlands and came from Italy were not even here during. Right. Well, that's, and that's part of my, my, so why would I pay reparations to anybody? And nor were many, many, many of the black Americans that are here, nor were their relatives here, nor were they in slavery. Why do they deserve a paycheck? I, that just rubs me 
it, the wrong me way. Too. Me too. And I, I don't understand it. Why it's a actually using white guilt. Yeah. To, right. Because, because it's lumping all of us in saying all of the white people are the reason for this right. problem. And I, my ancestors too, Ireland, mm -hmm. they came from Ireland and probably Canada. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're in Michigan. It's, it's, we're, right. we're in the North. They ran into, right. We, we were the, the, the safe refuge. Um, and I, you know, that the whole California thing baffles me, Linda, because I didn't know that there was slavery in California. Was there? So there, it doesn't have to do with California. No, it has to do I know, but what I'm saying is here you have this governor. There is now a governor, however. Right. <laughs> exactly. I think, it's like, well, what is he paying reparations for? I didn't, I don't, I don't get it. I and how do you it. determine who, who pays? I mean, you're already paying in California, all of the, the illegal immigrants, you're giving them a paycheck and now you want right. to. Uh, pay everybody for reparations. Yeah, this. Uh, um, so is it white guilt? It, it is. Well, it's again, it's I didn't have any white guilt until somebody told me that I should. Uh, well, and, and that's truthfully, what, I, I mean, still don't. <laughs> right. So but sometimes I mean, literally, sometimes I I just feel a sense of guilt to whatever degree mm -hmm. when I'm in the presence of black people because of what we're hearing in the media and because of things changing and or trying to change mm -hmm. it's it's perhaps not changing in the if i say the right way that might be misinterpreted yes there are some changes that need to be made i do understand that because of history there have not been opportunities provided and in general there are but there can, are now becky but there are, are now well are we, we are but all to born. what degree I'm, and i don't yeah. know i i don't know those statistics i don't know in looking at lower income areas does it exist i you know because you hear the stories of can't get out of the system and i I've, I've had a a relative who was a teacher in low income areas in georgia for decades. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, very, what I would consider very prejudiced people mm -hmm. because of their experiences. And that's always been, I mean, literally we've known this family my whole life and it's, there's always been a North and South thing there. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I've been called a Yankee when I go down to Georgia. Oh, truly, truly. I worked for a company that was based in in Arkansas, little, just south of Little Rock in a little town called Heber Springs. And um, it was my very first experience with, I mean, it was just a whole different mentality, a whole different mentality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that I had never been exposed to. So I think that, um, I think that there, I, we are evolving, Linda, but I do. I don't know how much time you've spent in the South. Where did you grow up, Linda? Oh, I grew up in Southern California. Oh, yeah. I guess that's the South, but of California. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, I, and I understand what you're saying, Judy. It is a different world in the South. I, I absolutely understand that. Yeah. 
The only thing I I would add to that is, is that a lot of the issues now are not because of the color of somebody's skin, but they're because of behavior. Would you agree? Oh, I, I do. I do agree. Um, And the other thing is that I personally do not believe in um, colleges having quotas um, of there being, I I don't believe in it. Um, I think that you, you have racism all across the board. I I'm looking at, I believe that you should be able to get a job or get into a certain college based on what, um, what you're capable of, um, your experience, your education, um, your scores. Now they'll tell you that, um, that if you're of a certain color, your SAT or your ACT scores are, are lower um, because of the schools that you went to because of, but I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I, there's this big uproar about the a- Asian community getting into the upper echelon schools and having mm-hmm. many more scholarships than anybody else. And but the, I, the reason for that is because they work harder. they're, they're culturally, <laughs> yeah. they're, it's not that, they're, they're smarter because their parents mm-hmm. require them to study, study, study. Right. And, and I did, live in, I did live in an Asian community and I can tell you that it was very tough for mm-hmm. my kids because my kids, I wanted my kids to be well-rounded. I wanted them to do studies, but I also wanted them to do outside activities or sports right. or different things. Mm-hmm. The Asian people did not do that. They studied, studied, studied. So yep. coming up to their level was very difficult. But again, that's not based on race, skin color or race. Yep. It's based on uh, culture that's- and and how people are raised and not, you know, I don't, I don't think that any one race is smarter than another. I think that it's all in how we uh, apply ourselves to what it is that we want to achieve. Right. Well, we literally have just a minute left here. Um, I, I do know that there are certain people that will um, give other people problems because of the color of their skin or because of the, the way their facial features are, and it needs to change. I would love to say there's a way that it can change overnight, but that's not proven to be the case. I don't know that that will ever be the case but I hope that we're moving in the right direction to make the changes that need to take place so that there can be far more peace and harmony and, and functioning in the world. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 